content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print impaired. Hello and welcome to our January 2022 edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately, a program from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. This program is brought to you by the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, an organization of citizens, volunteers, and patrons all interested in supporting the library and the services it provides. The Friends Group was founded in 1989 and now has more than 300 members across North Carolina. If you'd like to join the Friends Group yourself, we'll have information on how to do that later in this program. Well, this program is all about books, with special emphasis on those available from the North Carolina Library for the Blind. The library has more than 86,000 titles in its collection. Books and magazines are available in large print, braille, and talking books as well. The library has more than 11,000 patrons across the state. And if you're not a patron but are interested in becoming one, I'll have information about that at the end of this program as well. Now, this month, we're going to take a look at some of the most popular books checked out in the month of December at the State Library of North Carolina, Accessible Books and Library Services. And by the way, that is a brand new name for the North Carolina Library for the Blind. And I will repeat that again at the end of this program. So let's get started for this New Year, first of the New Year program for Heard Any Good Books Lately. We're going to start with a book entitled Two Sisters Detective Agency by the very popular author James Patterson. He is the world's number one best-selling author, and from him comes a thrilling new standalone novel where a detective duo of sisters finds themselves in the crosshairs of a dangerous and lawless group. Here's the plot. Attorney Rhonda Bird returns home after a long estrangement when she learns her father has died. Now there she makes two important discoveries. Her father stopped being an accountant and had opened up a private detective agency, And she has a teenage half-sister named Baby. Well, Baby brings in a client to the detective agency, a young man who claims he was abducted. During the course of the investigation, Rhonda and Baby become entangled in a dangerous case involving a group of overprivileged young adults who break laws just for fun. Their psychopath ringleader and an ex-assassin victim who decides to hunt them down for revenge. Sounds like an interesting story. That's called The Two Sisters Detective Agency by the very popular author James Patterson. Next, we're going to take a look at a book called The Wish by Nicholas Sparks. Again, he is a Very popular author. He was the author of The Longest Ride and The Return. This is a New York Times bestselling novel about the enduring legacy of first love and the decisions that haunt us forever. Here's the plot for this one. 1996 was the year that changed everything for Maggie Dawes. 
Sent away at 16 to live with an aunt she barely knew in Ocracoke, a remote village on North Carolina's Outer Banks, she could think only of the friends and family she left behind. Until she met Bryce Trickett, one of the few teenagers on the island. Handsome, genuine, and newly admitted to West Point, Bryce showed her how much there was to love about the windswept beach town, and he introduced her to photography, a passion that would define the rest of her life. By 2019, Maggie is a renowned travel photographer. She splits her time between running a successful gallery in New York and photographing remote locations around the world. But this year, she is unexpectedly grounded over Christmas, struggling to come to terms with a sobering medical diagnosis. Increasingly dependent on a young assistant, she finds herself becoming close to him. As they count down the last days of the season together, she begins to tell him the story of another Christmas, decades earlier, and the love that set her on a course she never could have imagined. The book is called The Wish, and it's by Nicholas Sparks. Now let's move on to another book entitled Undeniably Yours by Becky Wade. This was a 2014 Carol Award winner for Romance and also a 2014 Inspirational Reader's Choice Award winner. Here's the plot for this one. When Meg Cole's father dies unexpectedly, she's forced to return home to Texas and to Whispering Creek Ranch to take up the reins of his empire, the last thing she has the patience or the sanity to deal with. Her father's thoroughbred racehorse farm. Well, she gives its manager, Bo Porter, six months to close the place down. Bo knows he ought to resent the woman who's determined to take him from the only job he ever really wanted. But instead of anger, Meg evokes within him a profound desire to protect. The more time he spends with her, the more he longs to overcome every obstacle that separates them and earn her love. Well, just when Meg realizes she can no longer deny the depth of her feelings for Bo, their fragile bond is broken by a force from Meg's past. Can their relationship and their belief that God can work through every circumstance survive? Well, you'll have to Read or listen to this book to find out. It's called Undeniably Yours, and it's by Becky Wade. The next book we'll talk about on today's program is entitled No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear. That's in parentheses, and it's by Kate Bowler. In Heartbreaking Essays, Bowler, who wrote Everything Happens for a Reason, recounts lessons learned after being diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer at the age of 35. An associate professor at Duke Divinity School, she thought that everyone had limitless choices before receiving the grim diagnosis that pegged her survival odds at 
only 14%. Hope for the future feels like a kind of arsenic that needs to be carefully administered, or it can poison the sacred work of living in the present. While mourning the loss of a future with her husband and her two-year-old son, Bowler enrolled in a clinical trial for a new immunotherapy drug and miraculously was one of 3% of patients to successfully respond to it. After searching her whole life for a formula for how to live, she writes, cancer treatment had provided the clearest one of them all. Bowler's strong faith is present throughout, though the writing refreshingly never feels overtly religious. More than anything, her convictions underscore the importance of living life on one's own terms. Someday, God will draw us into the eternal moment where there will be no suffering, she writes. In the meantime, we are stuck with our beautiful, terrible finitude. Those in need of a wake-up call will find it in this breathtaking narrative. This is a great book of nonfiction by Kate Bowler. It's entitled, No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear. Now I'm going to turn to a fairly lengthy review for a book that was uh, reviewed in September of 2021 by Harvey Friedenberg, but I hope you will enjoy it. It's by a very popular author in the book. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a new one called Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. In his recent New York Times review of Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You?, Brandon Taylor referring to, in passing, to the kind of plotless, unnovel we're growing accustomed to these days. Well, Anthony Doerr's Cloud Cuckoo Land is another book that's high on many reading lists this fall, but it's the antithesis of contemporary novels about relationships or the way we live now, to which Taylor alluded. Instead, Doerr's novel boasts an engrossing plot that spans more than two millennia. But it's more than merely a fast-paced story that plays out across a vibrant canvas of history, myth, fable, and science fiction. It's a heart apologia on behalf of books and those who have preserved them, often at great personal risk throughout history. Well, to describe the plot as intricate wouldn't do justice to Doerr's ingeniously constructed time-shifting narrative. At the heart of the novel is the titular fictional prose work, purportedly written in the first century of the Common Era by the Greek writer Antonius Diogenes. Now, it tells the story of the shepherd Athian, and his journey to seek a golden city in the clouds. Along the way, he's transformed successfully into a donkey, fish, fish, and a crow before reaching the mythical land. That manuscript, fragments of which open each of the novel's chapters, is the hub that connects the lives of five people, Omer and Anna, two teenagers on opposite sides of the walls of Constantinople 
as the city is about to fall to the Ottoman Empire in 1453. Zeno Ninus, an octogenarian who resides in a small town in Idaho, who has translated the story and transformed it into a play for a group of elementary school students. Seymour Stuhlman, a troubled young man whose zeal for protecting the environment has warped into terrorism, and Constance, another teenager aboard a spaceship in the 22nd century bearing a crew of some 80 people on a Noah's Ark-like mission to a distant planet. Well, beginning with Anna's theft of Diogenes' codex from a Constantinople priory as the Ottoman forces, into whose army Omer and his two oxen have been conscripted, prepare for their assault, the document winds its way through history. Eventually, it appears in a virtual library in the spaceship Argus in the year 2146, where Constance encounters it. Now, that journey is propelled by some novelistic coincidences that Dorr renders with complete plausibility. Through this sometimes torturous passage, he imparts a lesson that's shared with Anna by the teacher who introduces her to reading. But books like people die. They die in fires or floods or in the mouths of worms or at the whims of tyrants. If they are not safeguarded, they go out of the world. And when a book goes out of the world, the memory dies a second death. That's a quote from the book. One might be forgiven some skepticism about Doerr's ability to knit together these disparate stories to make that point, but readers of his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, All the Light We Cannot See, won't doubt his ability to pull off the feet. However, given the diversity of time, place, and mood in Cloud Cuckoo Land, he's up the ante considerably. As he did in his earlier novel, Dorr moves seamlessly among his characters' stories, relying on compact, action-oriented chapters to pull the reader relentlessly forward. Dorr writes with equal assurance about everything from 15th-century siege warfare to the Korean War to life aboard a spaceship whose current occupants won't live to see the end of its mission. His descriptions of his characters' inner lives and sometimes heroic exploits are both vivid and economical, evoking one of Anna's impressions as she makes her way through Diogenes' mole-damaged work. Here's the quote, Turn a page, walk the lines of sentences. The singer steps out and conjures a world of color and noise in the space inside your head. Well, what's most compelling about Cloud Cuckoo Land is Dorr's ability to convey each of his characters' passions in unique but deeply meaningful ways, posing provocative questions about how the actions of discrete individuals can resonate through history. Anna's theft is motivated by the need to raise money for medical treatment she hopes will save her dying sister. 
Zeno engages in the painstaking work of translation, mostly to keep alive the memory of the British fellow prisoner of war who taught him the rudiments of Greek in their Korean War captivity. Even Seymour's disastrous plan to call attention to the planets warming, melting, and dying faster than scientists predicted by planting a bomb in the town library is prompted by something beyond pure nihilism. Their humble status doesn't begin to hint at the consequence for good and ill of their deeds. On the day she celebrates her tenth birthday and is deemed old enough to learn her destiny, a librarian aboard the Argos reminds Constance that whether with medicine or technology, by gathering power, by embarking on journeys, or by telling stories, we humans have tried to defeat death. None of us ever has, and yet she reminds the young girl that there is nobility in being part of an enterprise that will outlast you. Cloud Cuckoo Land is the beautiful story of such an enterprise, whether in the form of ink on a printed page, pixels on a screen, or in some medium we have yet to imagine, the task of preserving books is among the most noble in humanity's history. Anthony Doerr has paid that task a worthy homage. That's a book review that was written by Harvey Friedenberg in September of 2021, and it's about a brand new book by Anthony Doerr entitled Cloud Cuckoo Land. And that was certainly a mouthful for sure. You're listening to Heard Any Good Books Lately? An exclusive program from the North Carolina Reading Service. Thank you for joining me for today's program. I'm George Douglas. Let's move on to another book. This one a little bit lighter, I would say. It's called A Carnival of Snackery, Diaries from 2003 to 2020 by David Sedaris. And this was a New York Times book review editor's choice. There's no right way to keep a diary, but if there's an entertaining way, David Sedaris seems to have mastered it. If it's navel-gazing you're after, you're coming to the wrong place. Ditto, treacly self-examination. Rather, his observations turn outward. A fight between two men on a bus. A fight between two men on the street. Pedestrians being whacked over the head or gathering to watch as a man considers leaping to his death. There's a dirty joke shared at a book signing, then a dirtier one told at a dinner party. Lots of jokes here, plenty of laughs. These diaries remind you that you once really hated George W. Bush and that not too long ago Donald Trump was just a harmless laughingstock, at least on French TV. Time marches on, and Sedaris, at his desk or on planes, in hotel dining rooms and odd Japanese ends, records it all in his diaries. The entries here reflect an ever-changing background, new administrations, new restrictions on speech and conduct. What you can say at the start of the book, you can't say by the end. At its best, a carnival of snackery. 
is a sort of sampler, the bitter and the sweet. Some entries are just what you wanted. Others you might want to spit discreetly into a napkin. Again, this is called a carnival of snackery. Diaries from 2003 to 2020 by David Sedaris, who, of course, is a North Carolina native. I think you'll enjoy this one. It was a New York Times book review editor's choice. Now let's move on to our next book. It's called Autumn's Promise by Shelley Shepard Gray. And this is a Seasons of Sugar Creek novel, number three, by the way. Here's the plot for this one. Until Robert Miller met Lily Allen, his world had been dark. A widower, after only two years of marriage, he'd been living in a haze, feeling that at 24 his life was already over. But thanks to his friendship with Lily, he now has new reasons to wake up each day. He knows his connection to her doesn't make sense, She's only 19, with a past the whole town talks about. Even more, she's not Amish, like Robert. A marriage between the two of them could never happen. Lily's heart is drawn to Robert, not to his faith. No matter how much she admires his quiet strength and dependability, she doesn't think she could ever give up her independence and reliance on the modern world. Is their love doomed before it even begins? You'll have to read this or listen to this book to find out. It's called Autumn's Promise by Shelley Shepard Gray, and it's the third installment of the Seasons of Sugar Creek series. Now let's turn to quite a different kind of book from the popular author James Patterson, whom we heard from earlier on the program. This is not fiction. E.R. Nurses, True Stories from America's Greatest Unsung Heroes by James Patterson. He has thrilled readers with fictional tales of murder and mayhem, but James Patterson says he hopes his latest book helps wake people up by telling the gripping stories of real-life emergency room nurses. It's such a powerful book, the prolific author says, of ER nurses, true stories from America's greatest unsung heroes, the nonfiction tome with Matt Eversman, Poised to be released October 11th, which, of course, it was released at that time, features a compilation of interviews with hospital workers from across the country, everywhere from Wisconsin to Hawaii, telling their experiences in their own words. Now, if you read this book, you'll understand nurses and hospitals in a way you didn't before, Patterson told ITK in an interview a couple of months ago. The pair of authors, Patterson said, didn't want the project to be the kind of book someone would keep in the bathroom and every ten minutes or so you'd read another few pages. He wanted this book to be one that you would just keep reading the damn thing, as he says, pardon my French, Patterson said, because the stories are just so fascinating. Some of those stories include inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking, bizarre like the time a dead bird was found in a patient's jacket, and infuriating true-life moments. One nurse recalls the joy of learning a two-year-old unexpectedly recovered from a pit bull attack. 
while another says she's been called the B-word and the C-word and has experienced having stuff thrown at me, people punching me, and people bringing in guns. Well, if Matt and I wanted to write a book about the underbelly of this country, like what's really going on and what's the worst of the worst, I wouldn't know where to start before this book. Now I do know. You go to emergency rooms. They see it all, said Patterson. Eversman, the co-writer, recounted an interview with a Virginia nurse, Katie Quick, who comforted an older man's family as he lay dying in the intensive care unit. After the man's wife said all her husband would want with him was his dog, Quick instructed her to run home and bring back the pet. Katie sneaks him up through the back door and lets the man's dog sleep in his bed, said Eversman. Just trying to make his last moments on this earth somewhat pleasant, he said. The impact it had on that family's life was incalculable, and the humanity of that. While the idea for the book was conceived pre-COVID-19, work on it was done amid the pandemic and as hospitals have faced potential nursing shortages nationwide. Patterson said he and Eversman were careful in their approach to interviews, never addressing the coronavirus at the top of their conversations. He did not start with COVID stories ever, ever, since he wanted this to be about this person in their life as a nurse, not about COVID. Many of the nurses, though, detail the horrors of COVID-19 in their hospitals, with one saying she's constantly riding a roller coaster of sad cases. Another nurse who served in the Navy in Afghanistan and other countries said of the horrors of COVID, I didn't have nightmares from my time in the service. Now I have nightmares every single night. Well, the book, Patterson said, makes him hopeful that people are this strong and this brave and this wonderful. Patterson also said the effort isn't cornball or gimmicky like some popular TV shows depicting hospital life. He quipped the plot line for some of these stories could be the bus full of nuns was crashed into by all these Hells Angels motorcyclists, and now they're all at the emergency room, and one of the nuns is going to fall in love with one of the Hells Angels. That is the real deal. Patterson, the world's best-selling author who has penned thrillers with former President Clinton, collaborated with Eversman on another nonfiction title released earlier this past year, Walk in My Combat Boots, True Stories from America's Bravest Warriors. Patterson, who's now 74 years old, likened the current fractured state of the country to a monster rowboat, saying, Everybody is sort of paddling in a different direction, and we wonder why the boat is spinning around. If we can all just sort out a row in the same direction, and certainly the nurses in the military, I think for the most part, rowing in the right direction. And if more of us could do that, then it would stop this boat from spinning. Sounds like a good one. It's a nonfiction book by James Patterson called E.R. Nurses. True Stories from America's Greatest Unsung Heroes. (music) 
And because we had some uh, kind of lengthy reviews this month, that is all the time we have for this month's edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately? I'm George Douglas. I hope you enjoyed the program today, and I hope you had a good holiday, and we'll have a very happy 2022. If you'd like more information about how to become a patron of the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services, Simply Google or search for Accessible Books North Carolina Library or call toll-free 888-388-2460. That's 888-388-2460. You can also use those same numbers and website to join the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind. It is that wonderful organization that supports the North Carolina Reading Service and sponsors this monthly feature on books, and we so much appreciate them. This program is intended for people who are blind or print-impaired. Heard Any Good Books Lately will be available right after the broadcast on our website, ncreadingservice.org. So long until next time. Thank you.